Welcome everyone to Faces and Feels. I am your host, Rafe Hewson, and today I am joined by a very special guest. He is known as Smash Mouth Richie Taylor, and he is fresh off the latest Deathmatch Down Under event. How are you today, Richie? Hey, man. Uh, yeah, I feel good, man. Uh, thanks for having me on the show. Really appreciate it. It's always yeah. nice to chat with new people. Yeah, absolutely, man. Well, thank you for your time. I really do appreciate it. Um, I wanted to reach out to you because you stood out to me straight away when I watched Deathmatch Down Under. Not because we're both... Actually, it is because we're both red-bearded gentlemen. Uh, <laughs> but also because you put on an absolutely killer match opening the first Deathmatch Down Under uh, and out came the Wolves. And then also a complete banger at Smashing Sandcastles as well. So how are you feeling after the, those two matches, man? You're pretty beat up or are you doing all right? <laughs> yeah, thanks, man. Those were very kind words. Um, yeah, look, more beat up from the first match, not going to lie. Tommy hits very bloody hard, dude. Um, but yeah, I've, I've pulled up pretty well, man. You know, I've been doing it a long time. So I'm getting older, so it is a little bit harder to recover Yeah. Um, from match to match. But no, overall, I'm feeling good, man. Yeah, yeah. How long have you been wrestling for, man? Um, so I started when I was 18, so about 12 years. Mm-hmm. But um, I had a couple of years hiatus. Okay. Yeah, so probably in-ring work, I'd say about 10. Yeah, yeah, nice, nice. I uh, I was saying to you off air before we started that being over here in Perth, I haven't had like an opportunity to be as exposed to you know the Eastern State stuff as I would like to, uh, and I had heard kind of tell of you, and then seeing that first match, it like stood out to me straight away. So when you when you think of like your style and what influences you, what comes to mind like straight away, man? Uh, yeah, so I like to think I'm like do that strong style, kind of hard hitting brawler type um, style. Uh, I was trained by Mike Burke, so um, he's very he's like a legend in the Aussie wrestling scene. He's like very hard hitting, and um, when I was training with him, he really instilled that into us. Like you got to get hit, and you've got to give it back. So um, that's pretty much how my training sessions were for a long time. Just Mike beating the shit out of us. And, <laughs> We're just copping it, and then occasionally we'll be able to give it back to him. Uh, but yeah, a lot of my influences when I started to get into like proper wrestling was like a lot of the Japanese style, um, like Misawa, Kabashi, um, Kawada. Um, but my biggest influence of all is Chris Hero. I just think he is the the best pro wrestler of all time. He doesn't seem to get the recognition he really deserves from everyone. It Everyone's like, I. yeah, he's good. Yeah, he's good. No, 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 he's not good. He's the best. You, you just don't understand. Like, yeah, he's a massive influence in mine. I can, I can see that. Like, now, now yeah. you say it, like, a definitely, I mean that in, like, the best possible way. Like, yeah, no, that, that is killer. All right, well, actually, that's a, that's a good, good uh, segue. So let's quickly rewind all the way. Where, where did you start with pro wrestling? So before we get into that indie stuff and things like that, can you think of, like, your, yeah. your first kind of uh, memory or, of what you saw? Yeah, so for me, I can't remember a time where I wasn't watching pro wrestling. Like it must have been really early on, maybe like four or five years old. Um, and Hulk Hogan was the man to me. Like We never had pay TV or anything, so I couldn't really watch um, any of the WWF stuff that was on uh, pay TV or WCW or whatever. But when I went to Video Easy, which is like a shop where you rented VHSs, they had like Hulkamania volumes one to six or whatever. Yeah. And I just, yeah, I just rack them all up, take them home and watch them. And there was like a moment in there that um, really stood out to me. It was Hulk Hogan versus the big boss man in a steel cage match. And boss man takes a superplex from the outside of the ring, uh, of the cage to the inside. And it was, it was huge. And I just remember that sticking in my mind. Fuck, that's amazing. I want to be a pro wrestler. Yeah. Speaking of underrated dudes, how good's Boss Man? Like, when you go back and you watch some of the stuff, you're like, dude could, like, go, hey? It was crazy. Yeah. Could could really go. Yeah, really underrated. No one ever speaks about the Boss Man. Really yeah. good worker. Like, so explosive. 
for like a dude yeah. of his size and everything like that. It's crazy. I've seen like some old clips and stuff from Japan and it's just like going dudes. Yeah. Like, it's crazy. I, I think I'm pretty sure I know the the same uh, Hulkamania kind of box sets that you've seen. I'm pretty sure they were part of uh, my local video easy that I, I was yeah. getting exposed to at about the same time. There was hundreds of them. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, he... um. Yeah, I spoke about him with Damien Rivers as well, who I obviously you know as well. And it sounds like you guys were Hulkamaniacs at probably similar kind of times. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. I was a massive Hulkamaniac. I remember my grandparents brought me like these white singlets that I had to wear for school yeah. like, underneath my T-shirt. And one day I went in there into my drawer yeah. and I put one on ripped it off, and I just continually ripped them off for like six, seven singlets, and my, uh, my grandfather got home, wasn't too impressed, got in a lot of trouble. He's like, why have you just torn asunder all these, all these singlets? And like, while I'm running away from him, he's chasing me, I'm like, I just wanted to be Hulk Hogan. <laughs> Uh, Kid logic. Good time. He's like, you're yeah. gonna, you're gonna get a hiding. <laughs> yeah, legit. Yeah, for that. So, so it starts with Hulkamania, like it does for for a lot of people. Uh, at which point does it then become more than that? So, you mentioned Chris Hero and stuff. When does like indie stuff, Ring of Honor, things like that, New New Japan, uh, All Japan, all that kind of stuff, start to hit your radar? So. I, th- I was year seven, so I would have been about 13. And I started backyard wrestling. And I met a guy by the name of Niven. And he was two years older than me. He was about, I don't know, like 17 or something. And um, he had all these indie wrestling tapes. It was like IWA Mid South. And he was heavily involved in, like, he loved death matches, right? So that's why he had all the IWA Mid South stuff. And, um, there was one show on the uh, the Ted Petty Invitational, and that's where it was like all these scientific wrestlers come together, and you know it's a tournament for to be crowned the Invitational Champion or whatever. Yeah. And um, I just saw all this crazy wrestling, like wrestling that I'd never seen before. It blew my mind, like all this technical chain work and all these moves and all these spots, and in front of no one. Like I don't know, mid south back then, it was like in front of like ten people maybe. Yeah, and like putting on these amazing matches. I'm like, holy shit. This is awesome. And then, like, from then, WWE got the flick. I yeah. forget about that. And it was just, like, all indie stuff, like IWA, yeah, Ring of Honor, um, yeah, New Japan, um, yeah, just just all that. And I'd just I'd emulate everything I saw and try it in the backyard. So it was a, it was a good time. It, it's crazy, right? And that's quite often the story for, like, a lot of people is WWE is the mainstream. So everybody knows it and stuff. And there are good matches and there's things and stuff stuff like that. But then when you see something like a, yeah, an IWA or a Ring of Honor or a New Japan or something like that where the guys are like putting in that work, you're there's people that are just like, oh my God, this is what wrestling can be, you know, because you can become very formulaic, you know, on Raws and things like that. They've got, you know, brutal, brutal schedules to keep so they can't be doing that stuff all the time, you know, and it's, um, it's pretty crazy how watered down it can be versus to where it can get, you know? Yeah, exactly right, man. It's just, yeah, it just blew my mind. Couldn't believe that. I couldn't believe some of the moves they all pulled out. I'm like, what the hell is that? <laughs> just like, <laughs> like, like a gape. Like, what is happening? Yeah. <laughs> so, I so- thought the assault driver was the best thing I'd ever seen. I was like, that is the best move I've ever seen. It's brutal. Eh? <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's awesome. It's literally, it's like... Some of those moves as well, like, must seem so crazy when you've come from, like, the leg drop and then, yeah. and then it's, like, to a salt driver is yeah, the, is the curve. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and so then it's all indie, steady diet. Where are you as far as technology goes at that time? Like, is it still getting tapes off mates or by that point do you have the internet and you can find that stuff? Or Yeah, so there was... It was mainly from my friend's videotapes because he was ordering them from uh, the states. Um, the internet was around, like it was there, obviously, but it like just took forever to download, like dial up into there. Yeah. And you try and download a match, you'd have to leave it on all night, sometimes all day as well. Um, so it was a little bit difficult getting matches that way. So it was yeah, just mainly through uh, videotapes off my um, yeah, off my mate. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, a handy resource to have then if, if you yeah. uh, can, can get into them. For me, I like didn't get exposed to it till way later. So I was into WWE and then it kind of gets to that sort of early 2000s period where it's like, I guess, ruthless aggression or whatever. And I was just out, bro. Like at that point I had, you know, I was doing uni, I was touring with a band and I was doing stuff and I was like, get out John Cena. I've actually kind of come to like him like now in his older age, but like I was not about it like in any way. And I was like, I I guess this just isn't for me anymore, you know? And I just moved on for it. And then like way later, oh geez, how many years would it be? I don't know. We're talking like 2013 or something like that. So I don't know, 10 years pass or something like that. All the amazing wrestling you're watching is happening. Uh, I miss it all. And then I tuned back in randomly. We're just flicking through channels and Foxtel, uh, me and my now wife, and like we saw like Seth Rollins curb stomping like Randy Orton through a cinder block or something. And I was like, oh, wrestling, what's going on? But that led to now the internet is what it is and like podcasts are a thing and stuff like that. So then I just start listening to stuff and through that started to learn about everything, you know. Then I'm exposed to New Japan and then I'm seeing... AJ Styles and I'm watching Ring of Honor and I'm doing all that and I'm like, what is all this stuff that's been happening that I literally had no exposure to and it completely like dragged me all the way back into it again and it's like this uh, massive um, like library of old stuff that I'm constantly like trying to catch up on and look at and, and see and stuff. So it must have, been, must have been pretty wild watching some of that stuff as it was like coming out. Yeah, dude, for sure. And like I said, I've got like a huge massive respect for like all the dudes that were wrestling at IWA Mid-South who made it big, like Sam Punk and Chris Hero, AJ Styles. Uh, Brian Danielson was wrestling at IWA Mid-South in front of 10 people. Yeah. And, like, and then just to see him slowly progress through the years and then make it to like being this huge superstar is like it's so inspiring and so awesome. And I just I always have more respect for those guys who have started at the bottom and then made their way to the top. Yeah. And like something that's still there, it's... It's awesome. Just out there grinding, and, and it's funny seeing their progression yeah. as well, like how their characters change and, and different things happen to to fit that uh, that spot and become that person. Yeah, exactly, man. Exactly. Uh, it's, it's awesome. So do you remember what the first Chris Hero match was that you saw? I think it would have been Chris Hero and, and Punk, I reckon it was. No, 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 no. It was something before that. It was Chris Hero and some random guy. Anyway, I can't remember. But Chris Hero came out in just a Superman T-shirt at this stage. He didn't even have the the CH. Yeah. And he came out to uh, Kryptonite. But he didn't. He waited until you know um, the bit comes in where it's like, uh, what's the Superman bit in the in the anyway? Is it like, like you far go crazy at that one? Yeah, yeah, that one. <laughs> yeah. Still call me Superman. Yeah. So yeah, he waited like a minute and a half. To yeah, I was gonna say that's quite. It's kind of a, a while before <laughs> it kicks into that. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, he wasn't that good either. He like he wasn't good, but his chain wrestling was still pretty good. And I knew there was something special about him at this stage. I'm like, oh, his chain works awesome. Like I really want to study him. And um, yeah, it was. It would have been in two thousand and. Three or something. Yeah, right. So it was slide. like it was like early stuff. It was before very early. He started really becoming that like knockout kind of yeah artist type yeah. guy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so so yeah, and then from there you just followed him on and saw all that kind of stuff, all that progression. And yeah, exactly. I followed him yeah right through um, when he did all the stuff with ZZW and Ring of Honor and mm-hmm. like the PWG stuff he shit in Japan. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I just followed him. All, all the way through, man. Everything I could watch of his, I would. And, you know, and he gets a bit of a bad rap because a lot of people body shame him because he's a fat dude. Yeah. Um, and that that sucks, man, because I think pro wrestling's evolved so much now that it shouldn't matter yeah. about what body shape you are. It's about your in-ring work. And if we're basing pro wrestling on, like, in-ring work, Chris Hero is up there against anyone yeah. ever. Exactly. Well, you hear stories like it's sort of held him back many times like even with like early NXT like before that thing like didn't Punk wanted him to be in the shield and they yeah. they nixed it you know and they um 
I think they put in Roman, like, instead. Uh, and, like, and then he has, like, his run in NXT and they're, like, I think they were, like, making him wear the basketball jersey kind of look that he had <laughs> as well. And it's like, grow up. It's like 2021. This dude's killing it. And then then when he was there, he was just having these banger matches. And you're like, man, the the work should speak more than that. But at the, the end of the day, that's why I guess they're an entertainment company and not uh, not a, a wrestling company, you know. what I He has sort of uh, slipped a bit out of my radar. Where is he now? What's he doing? Fuck all, dude. He's doing um, podcasts at the moment. Yeah. I'm not entirely sure if he's going to come back and do any Ring work, uh, in ring work. He um was he injured? He's or... teased it a couple of times. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah, I've listened to his podcast, mm-hmm. um, but there's been no mention of if and when he's going to come back. Yeah, I'm sure he will. He can't go out like that. He's too good to not. Yeah, have like a proper send off. And dude, he could just like step into like any of these other companies now that exist that weren't around like during that last NXT run. You know, like. AEW, like, uh, New Japan is way bigger now and things like that, Ring of Honor, Impact, like, any of this. And just run it, like, so. I, I hope he does. That would be cool. I think I think there'd still be way more um, of him to, to come. Um, I want to ask you about a particular rivalry. Uh, a podcast I always listen to is the, uh, the Spotlight series. And when Ryan from uh, The Struggles talks about old rivalries, he always talks about one of his favourites being Eddie Kingston and Chris Hero. Yeah? I've never seen those matches. Did you see those matches when they happened? Yeah, yeah. Um, they've got amazing chemistry. Now, I don't know if this is for real, but apparently they actually just genuinely don't like each other. <laughs> that, that's but the way I heard it. I've heard Eddie Kingston. He's yeah. like, I hate the guy. But, I mean, that could all be a word. But it's it's he seemed kind of legit about it, like. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, I've seen them have great matches um, for, for many years, man. You know, they've fuck, probably wrestled each other like 20 times or something. And yeah. Every time I'm not disappointed, it's exactly what you want. Well, that's what I want in wrestling anyway. <laughs> two dudes beating the absolute shit out of each other. You yeah, know, yeah. That's, uh, that's my bread and butter. I love it. it gets, so, it gets yeah, they always have awesome matches. And it looks it looks real, man. Probably because it is to an extent. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it always looks believable. Yeah. I highly recommend going back and watching any of those matches if you can. Yeah. I know there's one on YouTube that they had um, at AAW. Uh-huh. I think that's the company. Yeah. Um, it, yeah, it's for free. You can watch it on YouTube, uh, Eddie versus Chris. Not that long ago either, maybe three or four years ago. Only three or four. Okay, then cool. I'm, I'm making a note. I'm making a note right now and checking yeah. out after we get offline. I'm getting distracted. Yeah. So we're just going down a Chris Hero rabbit hole and we're not even yeah. doing an interview anymore. Sorry. Uh- <laughs> it's all, good. It's all, good. all right, rewinding. We'll go back. Okay, so now you're exposed to indie stuff and you've started doing some backyard wrestling, yes? Yeah? So. Um, was that just you were a big fan and you had some friends and you're like, it'd be cool if we had a ring and did something. How does those conversations happen and how do you get involved in like a backyard wrestling? Like <laughs> it's funny looking back at it now, but you know, it's some of the best times I've ever had. So yeah. I, uh, yeah, I just started talking to my mate and we got talking about pro wrestling. I said, why don't we just try it? Like, let's just get a few mattresses and we'll just lay them out like a ring and do moves and stuff on there and film each other. Yeah. So that's how it originally started. And then I met my mate, Niven, who had the videotapes, uh-huh. and he was heavily involved in the backyard scene. Mm-hmm. He's like, no, 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 you can't use mattresses. I'm going to tell you how to make a ring, and we'll build a ring. And <laughs> we didn't have a backyard that was big enough for a wrestling ring, so we used to build them in, like, random paddocks in... Uh, like, yeah, out the back here of Werribee, and they'd always get taken by the cancel. And then I was going to say, did you just used to leave it so. set up and, like, you'd, you'd yeah. build it and you'd just leave it set up and be like, hopefully it's here when we come back? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so we started with, uh, like, a, a tyre base, which uh-huh. sounds weird, but, yeah, we had, like, car tyres yeah. um, set, set on the bottom, uh-huh. and then we had, like, core flute. It was, like, plastic. Yeah to put over the top of that and then carpet underlay and wrap that in a tarp. So that was our base. Yeah, okay. Yeah, and we did that for many years, man. Like, I was doing backyarding until I was, like, probably 18. So I'm 13 to 18, just doing all these crazy bumps, going, traveling to other people's houses interstate. <laughs> Some random kid, like Robbie, I went over to Robbie's house. Because, yeah, he, he was huge into before. it, right? Like, he was, yeah. he was huge into the backyard stuff as well. Yeah, so that's how we first met and, like, 
yeah, I went over to his house, stayed with him, he came over to mine, stayed with us, and it was just a really good community, and um, yeah, it was, and that's just how I started, and I just, I've loved it ever since, man, I've never fallen out of love with uh, wrestling. Yeah. Um, I love the the details of stuff like this, like how you build the ring. Did it have posts and things like that? And did anybody no, come so, see this, or were you guys just throwing each other around in the middle of nowhere? So, some of the backyard rings had ropes and poles, but man, we couldn't dig holes in the middle of a paddock and put ropes and shit. Like that's just too much work. Oh yeah, like, I mean, I guess you'd need like something. Then you need to be concreting them in. And yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, legit. So. Our turnbuckles were shopping trolleys that we stole from the local Coles or Woolworths. Okay, great. Yep. Yeah, in the corners. Just like turn them up on the end. Yeah, okay, I got you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's killer, man. That's so funny. Um, uh, Yeah, um, we'd have some people come and watch sometimes. Uh, We used to do like deathmatch shows called Tournament of Hate. Yeah. It was like the first ever uh, deathmatch tournament. And like we had heaps of people come for those. Yeah. But other than that, it was just the boys, man. We'd yeah. just practice our matches and go and do it and we're still in front of each other. That's killer. Were, were you doing death matches? Uh, yeah, yeah. I <laughs> I did do a few. Uh, they're not my cup of tea, yeah. but um, I don't knock anyone for doing it. It's, that shit's crazy, man. Yeah. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> well, I mean, you work for Deathmatch Down Under now, so <laughs> we'll see That's how right. that all pans out. Um, so from there, you... You mentioned you obviously uh, ended up with like a, a trainer. Um, when did you kind of make the jump from just uh, like banging around and like learning off each other and doing all that stuff to going to a school? Yeah, so I originally tried when I was 16 and I went to a wrestling school and it just wasn't for me. It was like they knew we were young and they were like, oh, let's break these kids so they don't want to come back. And I just wasn't in the right mindset to uh, continue going to that school. Yeah, yeah. So it wasn't, yeah, then it was like a couple of years later, and then I went to, it was a school called Alpha Pro Wrestling. Yeah. That was run by uh, Mike Burr. Uh-huh. And, um, yeah, then he started showing us the ins and outs, and they were a bit, they were a bit nicer, not as much, like, not too much nicer, but they were a little bit nicer where yeah, yeah. they didn't just break us in the first session to make sure we didn't want to come back, you know? Yeah, that old, like, wrestler mentality, like, we need to make sure that they really want it to protect the business. Like, that whole thing was really prevalent back in the day. It's not, like, really a thing anymore, I guess. Like, but, I mean, I mean yeah, I'm sure they, they still make it quite stiff and stuff to, you know, ensure people want it, but at the same time, they're not trying to actually hurt kids and stuff like that. Yeah, exactly, which is which is good. Oh, um, yeah, I'm all for, you know, hitting them snug snug to know what it feels like. But, yeah, when you're deliberately, like, just dropping them on your head or, like, stretching them out with, to the point of, like, they're really gasping for air, you know. Like, yeah, I'm just yeah. About that. Well, doesn't, doesn't our mate the Hulkster uh, talk about, like, his first training, they broke his leg or something? Like, yeah. when, when, yeah. He, when he tells it, that was crazy, right? Yeah, just shoot, broke his leg. See if, how badly he wants it. That's that's crazy. It's leg heals up. Fight. Come on, Hulkster <laughs> comes back, mate. It, it didn't phase him. <laughs> <laughs> I if I'm the Hulkster, right, and I go to a training school and they break my leg, I'm not going back to that training school. No. You know what I mean? Like it's fine. 100%. I would probably. Maybe even if I wanted to wrestle, I would still wrestle. But I wouldn't be going back to see those same guys. I'd be like, you can't have my money. Like, this yeah, guy you just broke my leg on purpose. <laughs> Are you paying for my medical bills, motherfucker, or what's the <laughs> guy? That's absolutely insane to me. But, but yeah, I think um, it's actually interesting, right? Like, So with all that training stuff, they were like protecting the business and all that. But I think you – I don't know if you would agree, but I think that the way – everything works now has led to way better wrestlers way quicker than it used to in the old days, you know, because people aren't hiding knowledge from people. They're not trying to actively discourage people. And as a result, you're getting all these people that are really young, super talented people that are are way better than they should be only a short time into the business because they've had people be very generous with knowledge and, like, still teach some respect and stuff, but you don't have to, like, 
hide stuff from them. You know, do you, do you think that's probably a fair statement? Yeah, hundred percent, man. One hundred percent. Like, um, yeah, back in the day, I think a lot of the boys worried about losing their spot because yeah. they knew these young dudes were going to be way better. Uh-huh. But this day and age, like everyone's at such a high standard anyway. Um, like you want your your fellow wrestlers to to be as good as you or better. Yeah. So it doesn't matter. Like if you just not have to scratch anymore and you lose your spot, well, so be it. Work That's harder. how I look yeah. at things anyway. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And like if you have knowledge to give and people have knowledge to give to you, it can make you better as well. Like if you don't share that, you put a lid on where you guys can be. And as a result, it probably leads to shitty wrestling, right? Whereas if people are all working together, you're all giving back to wrestling, it leads to bigger, better, and more creative things. 100%, man. I couldn't have said it better myself. That's mm-hmm. bang on. Yeah, exactly. And that that's why I, I feel like wrestling is the most exciting it's ever been because people are like breaking the mold all the time. It's really cool. Yeah. Exactly. So you're, you're in my first school. How long are you there for? Um, I was there for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, just on the grind, doing shows every now and again. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, probably from 2008 to 2010. Yeah. And then I stopped. Then I stopped wrestling. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So while you were at the school, were you doing you were doing indie shows and stuff as well, or you were just training? Yeah. No, I was. I um, the backyard stuff uh, gave me a good grasp around bumps and stuff. Uh-huh. Um, so I, I I knew how to bump already before I went. So I just had to fine tune a few things, uh-huh. and then I was pretty much on the first show within a couple of months, which was. Which was awesome. Yeah, then we just just went from there. Yeah, kept on rolling. And then and then yeah. when you when you stop, is it kind of like the the same thing with me when I got out of wrestling, where it's like, oh, it's just not really for me anymore. I'm like, you know, at the age where I'm doing other things, and it, you just fell out of love with it, or like, was there an injury or something, or or what yeah. what went down for you? It's a little bit deep here, brother. So just bear with me. Uh, so I. I've been um, I've been sober for ten years. Okay. But yeah, at that stage, I've been drinking since I was like thirteen. Oh wow. And there was like progressively getting worse and worse, and lots of trouble, lots of fights. And then I preferred drinking over rocking up the shows. So I burned a few bridges. I'd say I'd be at a show, didn't rock up. Preferred to get on with drink. Um, and yeah, then wrestling became more of a burden because I wanted to drink. Like wrestling was taking away from my drinking time. Yeah. Well, and, um, yeah, then I was like, you know what? Fuck wrestling. I'll fuck it off. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, then I went away and, you know, got sober and um, then, like, my love for pro wrestling, it never went. You know, I just got distracted. Yeah. And then it was like my passion was always there. I'm like, fuck, I've got to go back to train. Mm-hmm. And then I started training again and, yeah, it's, it's, been, a, it's been a long ride, but now, now I'm here doing this podcast. I never thought I'd... Uh, ever make it even a little bit in the Aussie scene and yeah. they're like it's, it's pretty cool being able to travel around the country people kind of know who you are and yeah. just putting on really good matches and like the fans really relate to you so it's um, it's been a real honour yeah it just goes to show man that like with hard work and dedication or whatever you can take yourself anywhere right it's just like keep on grinding at what you want to do and it's, it's really like cool to hear that even though you went down a bit of a dark path where you weren't happy with yourself and the way things went, you still had the power to turn it around. Staying on that kind of, you know, deep track and stuff with you a little bit, like my younger brother is went on a dark path like that and he's never got off it to this day. Um, he's someone who I don't speak to uh, who... Like, he still kind of interacts with my parents a little bit, but, like, we, we've we got nothing to really say to each other, and I know, like, from stories with them, he's not even who he was anymore. You know what I mean? There's been sort of so much damage done to who he is that I think if I spoke to him, like, I wouldn't even recognise him. You know what I mean? So he, even though, like, we can go down those dark paths, it's, it's refreshing to know that there is, like, an exit you know, on, on that time. And so, like, it's, it's really inspiring. I think whenever I meet people that were able to kind of come back from that and not go, oh, you know what, I'm I'm drinking a lot and stuff like that, but what's this thing? And then what's this thing? And then on and on it goes and you tumble down the rabbit hole, but you manage to pull yourself out. You recognise something in yourself where 
you maybe weren't happy with how you responded with that. You know, I, I maybe have a bit of an addictive personality and now I'm going to rebuild myself and become who I am now. And that that's super inspiring to me, man. So like, yeah, you should be super proud of yourself, I think. Oh, thanks, brother. I appreciate yeah. that. I hope you're on. Um... I hope your brother finds his way um, at some stage. I, Sometimes it takes longer fathers than others. Yeah, I really don't think it's on the cards. You know what I mean? Like it's, I think it's one of those things where it's just too far gone. And if he ever does, like I like to think I'd be there for him. You know what I mean? But at this stage, there's yeah. a lot of water under the bridge, and it's it's very hard to to think about it. And when people get to a certain point, uh, there's kind of lines crossed, you know, and you're like, oh man, you've just You've just burnt yeah. away everything you were like as a person, and when you're you're there, I do, whenever I basically whenever my parents call me, I kind of assume it's to tell me he's probably already gone, like, and that's just you know how it is. Uh, but I I have met people like within his friend group and stuff like that that did pull out of it. So you never know. There's always there's yeah. always kind of a chance for people, and maybe he surprises me and walks back into my life at, at some point. You know. Uh, yeah. And we can kind of hope that. But, uh, but yeah, anybody who listens to this that maybe feels like they uh, are on that path or, or feel like it's too hard and stuff, you can look at somebody like Richie Taylor and know that you can just stop that if it's, you know, destructive for you. And nobody likes drinking more than me, trust me. I talk about it all the time on this podcast, hungover interviews and other. A tragedy, a tragic figure at some <laughs> at some point. But I, I respect the hell out of people that do what is right for them. You know what I mean. So that's absolutely killer, man. Exactly, man. Ah, oh, thank you, thank you for the kind words. Man. Uh, no worries. So, so you you talk about the the exposure thing. How does it feel when when you find out that deathmatch down under is kind of happening? Those initial conversations where you're going to be involved, but then also it's going to be like worldwide on IWTV. So that's a bit of a jump for you, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, it's funny because uh, I work with Damien Rivers. So he was like, I didn't really know what IWTV was, dude. I was like, oh, what is it? And like, he's like trying to explain it to me that it's like all companies all over the world. Like you're going to get heaps of exposure. Like it's the biggest thing, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, oh. <laughs> I think I underestimated how actually big it was, and I was like, oh, whatever, man. It's probably just some shit fucking uh, <laughs> some shit <laughs> subscription thing that no one watches. So Yeah, yeah, I it's only like really- like, this, like the loyal fans of whichever small, like, fed, yeah. like, thing, whatever. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's all right. So for me, that wasn't a big deal. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, being approached to, to work the show is like, I'll, I'll work – wherever I can. So, um, like, I really love Joel, and he approached me and was like, oh, man, we'd love you to be a part of it, you know. Um, and I was like, look, man, I don't really want to do death matches. Like, I really don't want to. Yeah. And he's like, no, 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 we're doing a division where you don't have to. He's like, it, it, like we really want you on. Um, so if you want in, you're on. And I was like, yep, all right, I'll do it. Like, yeah. awesome, I'll work. And then, yeah, then I, we went to the first show, which was um, Outcome the Wolves, and, like, the setup was amazing. Uh, locker room was great. All the boys were awesome, and got to wrestle Tommy Knight, which has been on my bucket list for a while. Um, and then, like, I had even more of an honour to open the show. Like, this is the very first match that anyone is going to see a death match down under. Um, so that was pretty nerve wracking. But I think me and Tommy delivered, man. And I think we gave uh, everyone a taste of like what the company was about. Yeah, it, it was a, a banger of a match, man. And like, when something like that comes out, right? Like you've really got to sort of take it by the horns and present everything in a very professional way. Otherwise, it's like like it's exactly what you said. It's like oh, this is just some indie like from Australia. Who cares? The production value is rubbish. There's ten people around the ring. Not everybody is as open minded as you were with IWA uh, and, and like yeah, you know it kind of needs it. And they're like oh, and just dismiss it, right? And what? Deathmatch Down Under did was present themselves in a very professional way and catch a lot of eyes immediately. And then they go, okay, well, who do we trust to open the show and throw hands and, like, put on a banger? And then they tapped you on the shoulder, and that's pretty killer, man. Like, and and you didn't even know at the time that you were essentially, like, uh, opening on what is, like, indie wrestling's WWE network, you know? <laughs> yeah, legit. It is, it's true. Yeah, exactly. And... and- 
it's still kind of uh, I still play it low key because I don't have Twitter. So like yeah. Damien would come up to me and be like, "Dude, you're blowing up on Twitter. Like, have a look at all these blah blah blah." Yeah. And I was like, "Oh yeah, yeah, whatever." Like, yeah. I, I try not to feed into my ego. Like everyone does to some degree, but yeah. I really try to push that to the side and yeah, um, you know, just. Just do what I do. Just focus on the work. People like it. People like it. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's killer, man. You got to got to stay grounded, and you're a family man, right? You got to got to uh, keep grinding in your day to day. Yeah. Yeah, that's right, man. I've got a fourteen year old boy. Fuck, he takes up a lot of time, man. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly right. You can't can't be out here tweeting all the time. You got to be like being a dad. That's right. Yeah, right priorities. Oh, that's sick. Now the the match with Tommy Knight was absolutely killer. But that wasn't the original plan, right? The original plan was Shazza McKenzie, who obviously got locked down due to COVID and stuff like that and couldn't make it. But that in itself is an amazing matchup. Uh, Shazza has a lot of exposure worldwide, so that would have been a little bit of a blow and you know, sad that that couldn't happen, right? Obviously, Tommy is a great uh, opponent, but uh, it would have been like, oh, man, what, am, what are we going to do now? Sort of... Uh, action stations to to roll with the punches on that one, yeah? Yeah, look, I was uh, really excited about wrestling Shazza. You know, like you said, she's got massive exposure. She's one of the better talents in Australia, you know, and uh, I was really looking forward to working her, but, like, I believe in fate, man, and that just wasn't supposed to happen on that day. Yeah. And for some reason, Tommy Knight was put in that spot. Yeah. And, you know, it, who knows? My match with Shazza might have been better than that. Or it might have been worse. Like maybe it was just supposed to be Tommy Knight. Yeah. That well, I mean, time. it was a great match, so you can't really be disappointed in it, right? Like, it... no, I'm no, I'm definitely not. Like, I'm really happy with how everything went in that match. Uh, I don't think it could have opened the show any better. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, like, I think obviously your your time to face Shazza will come around again at some point. You guys are on similar paths, so we'll see how that goes. And I think everybody would be really uh, interested in that kind of combination. Yeah, exactly, man. Yeah. It'll happen. Yeah. It has to. Yeah, exactly. It'll be killer. Um, the And then we, we jump on to the Smashing Sandcastle show. You and JXT are slinging quite a bit of shit uh, back and forth, which I really liked, by the way. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> I thought it was good. I like that uh, you were just... Um, like just chill cell phone videos, you know what I mean? You weren't. He was kind of doing like a lot of production and stuff like that. Like he's, he's this big superstar, and you were just like, "No, nah, fuck you!" <laughs> like it was, <laughs> it was pretty great, you know what I mean? And I, th- I think now that I, I'm getting to know you, I feel like that really speaks to your character as well. Like you're just like yeah. not really about the bullshit, and you're like, "We'll see when you're in the ring, motherfucker." <laughs> so that's yeah. pretty killer. <laughs> no, that's it. It's like. Similar thing how we were talking about Chris here and, uh, and Eddie Kingston. Yeah. Similar vibe with me and Josh, you know. Um, we're completely different people. You know, his yeah. character is very much a portrayal of him. Yeah, yeah. And my character is very much a portrayal of me. So, yeah, um, yeah it was it was good to get in the room with Josh. I've never done it before. Yeah. Um, but there was, some, there was some legit hate going into that, you know. We don't like each other that much. Yeah, it's, yeah. It is what it is. Um, but no, it, it, it was cool wrestling, wrestling Josh, and yes. uh, maybe we'll get to do it again. I don't know. Um, uh, I kind of feel like there was some it, bullshit going on in that match, and the the page isn't all the way turned on where that needs to be. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And it's a little bit of a different match for me as well, because, you know, I'm I'm more like in-your-face, Brawley's type, type style, where he's like a more traditional, like, WWE style pace wrestler. So it was different, but I I think we put on another good show. No, it was good. And then, uh, and then obviously you're interrupted by the Cracker Jack and uh, Gore situation. Uh, That wasn't ideal. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, it wasn't ideal. Two big dudes coming at me, you know. You're like, come uh, on, man! I'm just, I'm just dealing with this. Like, I've just lost. Give me a break. <laughs> exactly. You're, you're just hanging out. You've already had BS going on. You've already had like the numbers on you, and then another two guys, and you're like, what did I do? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's because I'm more over than them. Yeah, that's what it is. They're coming. They're coming for you, man. But hey, you're going to have plenty of time to to set them straight coming up, right? Yeah, for sure, man. I'm really looking forward to wrestling uh, Gore on yeah. the next on the next show. So exactly. there's a bit of a size difference, 
Yeah. But bit. we'll see how we go. Exactly. Put your elbow in his face and see how he goes. That's it. A couple of those. <laughs> you'll be groggy ass. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and Crackers just needs to mind his own business and you'll be all good. That's right. He's old. Get out of here now. Yeah, exactly. Aren't you retired? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't start talking too much shit. I want to <laughs> need to interview him at some point. <laughs> I'm taking your side too hard. I'm going to get myself in trouble. I'm supposed to be a fucking journalist down the middle. <laughs> Call it it down the middle. Um, dude, that, that event, like, not here to fuck spiders, is the best uh, wrestling event name in history. <laughs> Hopefully the show lives up to the name then. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, that's it. There's some killer matches on it, man. So it should be absolutely yeah, for sure. Exactly. Um, I you briefly mentioned uh, our mate Robbie, um, and I was doing some cursory research before speaking to you. But I see that you guys have been in the ring together uh, before. Like, obviously, you had a backyard history and stuff like that. How did it come about that you got to? To wrestle, who who were you wrestling for when you were like doing the uh, the real wrestles, so to speak? We were so um, I wrestled Robbie first at APW, mm-hmm. uh, Adrenaline Pro Wrestling here in Melbourne, mm-hmm. and then I wrestled him for a second time at MCW. Okay, yep, uh, yeah. And the first match with Robbie was the first time that anyone taken notice um, of me. So like, I'm always going to be grateful for Robbie for that. He made that happen. He was like. Man, you've been around for too long. You're going, you're doing fuck all. He's like, I'm making sure, you know, people know who you are. I'm coming down. We're having a match, and then hopefully you start to get more bookings. Yeah. And you know, you've been around the wrestling a long time. You hear a lot of bullshit, and you're just like, yeah, 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 whatever, man. We'll see what happens. Yeah. But yeah, after that match, it um uh, slowly started to change things for me in the in the wrestling community. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he was right. Yeah, he kind of knows what he's talking about, Robbie Eggers, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, that's right. I love uh, I love that, how much of a grizzled vet you are. You're like, nah, brother. Like, <laughs> what's this IWTV? What's this bullshit? I don't know. <laughs> um, no, but it's like, it's really surreal for me. Um, when Robbie first told me he got signed in New Japan, man, I, I was tearing up. Yeah. Like, I just remember sitting in his bedroom, like 15 years old, yeah. being like, oh, you know, imagine if one of us made it. That'd yeah. be so cool. And then, like, he made it, man. And it was just like all this emotion just come rushing through me. And I was just like, gave him a big hug. And I'm like, man, I'm so proud of you. I'm yeah. so proud of you. Yeah, but, so, yeah. it's, it's Somebody really that awesome. you've known that long and you, you've seen the work and you've been there at the, like, the Werribee tire ring like with, with no people around and stuff like that and you've seen him take it to that level it must be it must be pretty awesome mate. yeah amazing yeah. amazing uh, no one deserves it more than Robbie yeah I, I had a, an absolutely amazing conversation with him he was really generous with his time that episode just dropped today uh, we we kind of t- took a rewind back through sort of everything you know what I mean and touched on those full circle moments in his life and stuff like that. It was really special, man. I walked away from it just going like, man, that dude has worked so hard and I can't really think of anybody I've met who deserves it more, you know? No, exactly right, man. I'm the same. Exactly right. So would uh, what would it mean for a Richie Taylor to travel to Japan? <laughs> it's never going to happen, but <laughs> it would... <laughs> Look, that was always one of my dreams. Yeah. Um, it didn't matter where in Japan. It was just like, I just wanted to have one match in Japan. Just do it. And then yeah. I could retire a happy man. Or one match with Chris Hero, and I would retire a happy man. <laughs> um, but both of those are looking a little bit out of reach at the moment. You know, with, um, my time may be coming to an end within the next couple of years. You know, COVID's put a stop to traveling and stuff. And, you know, I'm just getting old. I'm doing the family thing. It's, uh, yeah. it's a bit hard to free up some time just to go over and train. Yeah. You know, for like three months or whatever and get bookings. Um, but, you know, if if someone come knocking, yeah. I'd be on the first flight over there. So have you ever been before to to Japan just to holiday or anything or travel? Yeah, yeah. yeah I went to holiday. Yeah. Uh, that was on my brief hiatus from pro wrestling. Uh-huh. Uh, I still got to see a New Japan show. Yeah, like I said, the yeah. love never went away. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I went over there and, and did that. But, um, yeah, hopefully one day I can get there. But if not... It doesn't matter, man. Like I'm, I'm really content with what I've been able to do here in this country. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, I would say that 
even if you can't get over and never say never because this is this world has become a very small place recently and you never know what's going to happen and you kind of know a guy as well so that doesn't hurt but uh <laughs> deathmatch down under are like putting forward a, a lot of of energy into a lot of things and as covid and stuff breaks down i wouldn't even be surprised to start to see japanese talent appear you know what i mean it, at Deathmatch Down Under in Melbourne, wherever. And so even if you're not in Japan, you might find yourself across the ring from somebody pretty impressive. I hope so, man. That'd be great. Um, and being on it, like, it's it's really special when the promoters come to you and say, like, we think you're that good, you can wrestle. Yeah, like, for instance, like, when I got to wrestle, like, Jimmy Havoc, for instance. Yeah. I know that's cool. You probably have to edit that out now, but <laughs> no, no, I don't. I don't think we do. But... Though that speaking out thing happened, and the cancel thing thing happened, and and all that stuff, and anything a person has done in their life is, you know, is what it is, and uh, you know, I'm not here to speak on it. I will say that doesn't really take away from what you did because at the time it was one of the bigger indie talents in the world, and yeah, you was... you were tapped on the shoulder to wrestle somebody that was was touring and brought here and people had spent money on so i think it's completely valid yeah so yeah so like yeah that was amazing and like even when dct came over and they were some of the best matches i've ever had in my life i just i the gratitude i had for that man for what he did to my for my career i can never repay him enough um but yeah when i get to wrestle all these awesome people it's just it's really rewarding that um you know, the promoters see something in me that sometimes I don't even see myself, you know? Yeah, exactly. And, I mean, there's no, even in, uh, a, you know, a, a scripted sport or a predetermined thing or whatever, those are, like, the real accomplishments, right, where people put faith in you uh, to do something or see something done or carry something and and see it out, you know? There's no, no greater kind of compliment than that because they can pick anybody. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly right. Um, I'm uh, I'm looking to do a new segment at the end of my podcast, and I I want you to be the first. So, uh, I want to. I was trying to think of a cool pun, uh, for it, but basically, I I'm, it's going to be a working title, so I don't even know if that's going to work. But I want to know, basically, what the face of my podcast is feeling in wrestling at the moment. Yes, yeah? so uh, it can be a match that you've just watched. It can be uh. uh a certain what a certain person has done, what a what a promotion has done, just really like what you're vibing in wrestling at the moment. Like if you were just going to go chuck on the TV or you just finished watching something, what are you about right now? Oh wow! I know I put you on the spot just like that. Oh wow! <laughs> um, look, the last thing that I watched was like a couple of days ago. It's one of my favorite matches of all time that doesn't have Chris Hero in it. It's Eddie Guerrero and Dean Malenko, the two out of three falls at ACW. Uh-huh. Like, I just think that is one of the best pro wrestling matches of all time. There, there wasn't too many spots. Everything was perfect. Like, it just everything about that match is what pro wrestling should be for me. Yeah, I, I hope you're after, dude. <laughs> what was that, sir? I hope that's what you're after. That I've was what, what I was. I'm like. Fuck, what am I going to say? <laughs> no, no, that's okay. I just want to put people on the spot, and we're going to delve into it a little bit more because I haven't actually seen that match, so I'm going to have you tell me about it a bit. So I, I've heard about it, but again, that was that was in the dark times when I was out of it. So what kind of era is this for uh, Eddie Guerrero? Is this like lying, cheating, stealing? Like, what's he doing? What's no. He? No. no, no. So it's just like, he's just like a baby-faced luchador. There's no... Line cheating, stealing. It's before he went to WCW. Oh, so this is like original ECW. Yeah. Yeah, okay, right, yeah. right. Uh-huh. So this is their very last match, both uh-huh. of them. Yeah. At ECW before they went to WCW. Wow, okay. And it was a two out of, yeah, two out of three falls. Uh-huh. Um, they, they didn't use any weapons. Uh-huh. They just went out and wrestled, and the crowd ate everything up, man. Yeah. It was amazing. Like, I can't fault that match in any way, like... If you're going to watch a match today, yep. go and find that match. I might actually just do that. Is it on the WWE Network, or do I need to delve yeah. deeper than that? No, it is. Yeah, sick. It's on the network. Okay, so that's a match recommendation for everybody. It is Eddie Guerrero and Dean Malenko, two out of three falls ECW, yeah? Yeah, that's the one. That's it. Awesome. 
Say, this is the kind of gold that I want to get, even though I just throw you under the bus and just be like, provide me this content. (laughs) (laughs) Another awesome match, just quickly. Yeah, let's go. Let's keep them coming. We can do multiples. That's fine. Chris Hero versus Tommy N at PWG. Um, fucking unbelievable match. That those two people, those two do just beat the absolute piss out of each other. It's great. Um, they have such good chemistry together. So I really recommend going and watch that too. Yes, yeah, sick. No worries. I'll, I'll add that to the list also. See, these I want to start to collate these together and give people match recommendations because I watch everything, man. Like it, I'm not really. Like, I don't only just watch one thing, you know. It'll be, like, whatever's going, and I always, like, there's a new shiny thing over here. So I like to to just kind of stir that up and have people kind of watching everything. Um, and if anybody is going to watch anything right now and they have IWTV, even if you don't use the code DMDU for five days free, you can go and watch uh, Outcome the Wolves, you can watch Smashing Sandcastles, and you can see Richie Taylor killing people with some of the most brutal hard hits you've ever seen before. <laughs> awesome. Thanks, yeah, no worries. Do you want to plug your social media and merch stores and all that stuff, bud? Oh, fuck. Here we go. I'm so old, man. Sometimes I forget <laughs> what the shit is. but um, I'm I can edit Richie this Veggie in Out. if you do. <laughs> yeah, that's it. On Instagram, at Richie Vegin Out, and on Facebook, I'm Richie Taylor Pro Wrestler. And if you want to share Old school man, just DM me and I'll send you one. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> love it. That's all. What's a what's wrestler merch doing? Reach out to this yeah. man. What's <laughs> going on? I do everything myself. <laughs> that's killer. I'll d- DM you after this. We'll we'll have to tee something up. I I like to support the talent that's been on on my show, dude. Thanks <laughs> so much for your time on this like public holiday morning. Uh, it's literally killer getting to know you, man. And hopefully, if everything goes to plan, I'm going to try to get over and uh, see the Deathmatch Down Under shows in May, which would be killer. And I'll get to see yeah, you awesome. in person. Pleasure talking to you, brother. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely, man. So everybody out there, for Richie Taylor, for Faces and Feels, thank you for listening. And remember, it's all about peace, love, and pro wrestling. Peace out. Peace out, Richie. Peace out, man. Thanks, everyone, for listening. This has been Faces and Feels. Check us out on social media, at Faces Feels Cast on Instagram, at Faces Feels Cast on Twitter, or send us an email to facesandfeels at gmail.com. Until then, peace out.